0: Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. As I pray, I'd like to invite everyone to pray for yourselves as I lead you in this. So I want to pray from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart... May be enlightened. And so as you stand before the Lord, wherever you are with knowing him, um, whether you are not sure if he exists, you've known him for a long time, you don't know the fullness of him. Therefore, we all pray as we stand here, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts. It's a brave prayer, but it's such a beautiful prayer because you will only see beautiful things and the eyes of your heart are opened. And so as you pray that the eyes of your heart are opened, it says that you, this is the reason, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. So we pray, Lord, increase our hope. May we know even more by the time this service is over, the hope to which you have called each one of us. In order that we may know the riches of your glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's us, people set apart for him. May we know, have a glimpse even more of the riches of your glorious inheritance for us who believe. And may we know he's incomparably great power for us who believe. Lord, may we have our, the eyes of our hearts open so that we can see the hope the riches of the inheritance you have for us, and the incomparably great power, incomparably, means it can can be compared to nothing. It's described as the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power and dominion and every name that is evoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. We pray, open the eyes of our hearts that we may see you. And we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's what I'm believing for each one of us today because um, as I share today, what I want to share is like, so much bigger than I have the ability to share. It's, uh, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us. It's, it's a little bit like when I, I used to study French in school and when I was 13 or 14, my family went to France. And I'd always learnt about, you'd not only learn the language, you learn the geography, and I'd learnt about Mont Blanc, which is the highest mountain in Western Europe, in the French Alps. We went to Mont Blanc, and it was so exciting, and I picked up a rock from Mont Blanc, and I took it home, put it in my drawer. But if I gave you that rock, it's not Mont Blanc. It represents my experience, and I'm like giving you a little piece of a rock today, but really God wants you to come to the mountain. He wants you to experience him yourself. And it's more than what people tell you about him. It's, it's your personal relationship, like Simon was saying. You may have heard that term, personal relationship, all the time, so we'll use a different word. It's your experience of his incredible love and power for you. And people can tell you how great God is, but once you know him, it's like um, I was doing a project once with someone for a few weeks and we got on really, really well, and she said to me, at the end, i really enjoyed getting to know you, Sue. You're nothing like people said, tell me that you are. Right. Well, I guess that's a good end to the story. I didn't ask, what do they say? And uh, I mean, they say, people say things anyway. So, But it's funny, you actually, you think you know someone until you actually know them. And then you know that um, even within yourself, as people get to know you, even the people that are part of your family, there's, there's so much more about you that they can never really totally understand. So much more of yourself that you tol- really totally don't understand. And so never come thinking, I've got this one worked out. God, I've got him worked out. Because... It's impossible to have him worked out unless you are God yourself. So it's quite an arrogant position to be in. So we come humbly saying, I want to see more. I just want to see more. And today, we so what we started last week was our next challenge, and we're calling it a challenge. And you'll see the title there, Who Do You Say He Is? So we're unpacking the Lord's Prayer, but not as a formula for prayer, but actually understanding who Jesus is in inviting us into relationship with so we know who we're talking to, so we don't come to him and say eventually we will say oh people told me this about you but now I've discovered you are great and some people have told you bad things about God and you will have some funny ideas about God too just because you grew up in a world where there's funny ideas about God and so you actually really need to find out what he's like for yourself and so our challenge is not only to find out who he is but to find the gap and to, uh, we're doing a women's Bible study every second Thursday night, it's this Thursday night if you want to come, and we're challenging ourselves to look at the gap. Now the gap is this. Say, for instance, um, Jesus says, he does say in Matthew 6, don't worry about anything, okay? And you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but do you worry about anything? Therefore, if you read the scripture and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and he says, you don't need to worry about anything, but you do worry about something, there's a gap. There's a faith gap. You say you are a follower of Jesus and you're putting into practice everything he teaches you, but you don't. And so to be challenged, you actually have to be honest with yourself and no one else will know what's going on in your heart and mind apart from you and God, and you have the opportunity to look at the gap and say, if I want to live in the fullness of life, the abundance of life he gave me, I'm going to work out how to bridge this gap. And that's what we're going to do as we look at the Lord's Prayer. So... Last week we started with understanding our Father, our Father in Heaven. I spoke about it in the morning, Jake spoke at night, Maitland is starting it today. And uh, if you missed out, go and listen to one of the podcasts so that you can come along on this journey. It's very important to know our Father in Heaven to begin with. And today we're talking about hallowed or holy be your name. There's one quick little sentence in this beautiful prayer. Now, my theory, I... uh, You know, when you see theory, I haven't done a survey on this. Has anyone ever seen the movie Two Weeks' Notice with Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant? It's one of my favourite movies. I can't believe you all haven't seen it. It's incredibly funny. And there's Hugh Grant as his typical suave, annoying. And uh, she she says to him, "You are the most frustrating person in the whole world." And he says, "Oh." You've met everyone in the whole world. And uh, so when I go to say, most people think this. I haven't done a survey, so I don't know what you really think. So it's just my rough thought on this, that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, if you pray the Lord's Prayer, we go, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now here's, here we're getting into the good stuff, okay? So we then we talk about, you know, we focus on forgiveness and protecting us, etc., but this part the start of the prayer, hallowed be your name, what does it even mean? So we're going to try to unpack that a bit today and I want to move from head to heart. So we're going to start off with a bit of head to try and get our heads around it but it can't just stay in our heads and I've been reading a great book about this, Praying the Lord's Prayer by J.I. Packer and he says this, Were we left to ourselves, any praying we did, would both start and end with ourselves for our natural self-centeredness knows no bounds. And you can do a survey on that just of yourself. And uh, you look at how many times you pray and your prayer, your whole prayer was devoted around honouring God. That's it. And you didn't ask for anything. Not one little thing. Not may I have a happy day. Nothing. Um, just honouring him. And there may be people here who do that, but there's this self-centeredness in us that is desperate for God to hear our cries. And that in itself, this is not to condemn yourself. This whole message is to look and see how do we get the world in order. That's what it's all about. Because the first thing to understand when we pray this is that God matters infinitely more than we do in the equation of life and existence And we need to get everything into its proper place. doesn't mean you're not valuable. You're valuable enough for Christ to die for you. But you've got to get everything into its proper place. And so when we pray this prayer, holy be your name, the interesting thing is this is actually a request. I think a lot of us think when we pray holy be your name, we think it's a statement. But it's actually a request. And when Jesus taught us to pray, the first three things he taught us to pray are about God holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is is in heaven, before we get to providing for us. It's all about him first. And so when we pray, holy be your name, what on earth does that mean? Because isn't his name already holy? So why am I asking him to make his name holy when it already is holy? So it's something far bigger than that. And so J.I. Packer says this, the, f- the first request of all is holy be your name, which is the biggest and most basic request of the whole prayer. Understand it and make it your own, and you have unlocked the secret of both prayer and life. And that's the truth. I believe there's immense truth in this statement. If you can grasp your, g- get your mind around what it means to pray holy is your name, holy be your name, you will unlock the secret of both prayer and life. And I pray that at the end of this, we make that our main prayer all through the week. And you can ask for things. I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying you come in with this prayer first. And I promise you, when you grasp this, your heart and your mind will change towards God, to yourself and to the world. And even the level of your faith when you ask for things will be different. You will go into it with a confidence. You won't go into it with fear and worry if you can unpack this prayer. So firstly... Just to unpack the word holy, because we now have kind of reduced it to more of an ethical or moral idea. And so we say someone is holier than thou, which kind of means that they are morally superior to everyone else. But this is not what the word holy means. Okay, so sometimes we call ourselves holy and we think it means that we are really, really good. But the word holy comes from the Hebrew word kadosh, which actually means set apart or separated. And it means that God is holy. In other words, there is, He is set apart and there is nothing or no one else like Him in all of creation. You can't compare Him to anyone. That's why the Psalm says, who can I compare you to? No one. He's, he is above everything. That's why it says in the scriptures, He is the name above all names. There's no greater power. It says that he is the God of the past, the present, and the future. He's, he's a set apart from us all. so then when you read, if, you, if you're growing in Christ now, you will read that you become a holy person, we become a holy people. And the holy people doesn't mean that we are better than anyone else. It means that we've consecrated ourselves or delivered ourselves to be set apart so that we could be available for him to reveal his power and his love and his grace into the world. It doesn't mean you are better than anyone else. It just means that you've humbled yourself and said, I want people in this world to see you in me. I want to be guided by your spirit. I want, it to, I want to bring grace, kindness, mercy into the world way beyond my human ability. And said, so therefore I will choose to be set apart for you. This is holy. It's actually being set apart. He's the, that's why he said to the ancient people, you will have no other gods before me. In other words, people had lots of gods. And he said, but there's no other God. And, and the reason he's saying that, sometimes we think of God as an angry God. He's not saying it because you're all silly. He's saying to, for the world to work well, we have to get everything in order. Have you ever heard of parents who don't believe in any form of discipline? It's called non-parenting, I think, something like that. They, they choose what they want. How do you reckon that goes? It's huge disorder. Huge disorder. You imagine when you were four and you could do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, watch whatever you want, go to bed whenever you want, and would it have been good for you? Because this means your house is totally out of order. And so we, this is about getting things in order. So then what is his name? So why are we saying holy be his name? Well, firstly, just to understand something about a name. A name is not just, well, you do have a name. Imagine if there were no names. Just imagine us all sitting here and it's that person who wore a blue shirt or something. There no no names. names. Names are incredibly important and, um, and some of us like our names and some of us don't like our names, but our parents liked our names, obviously. And some people do say, why did you give me that name? And uh, probably when they give you the answer, you think, oh, okay, it's not such a bad name after all, because you were intentionally giving the name. But the name actually has power. So if I say, um, I come to you in the name of prime minister or the king or something, it's, uh, it's not like it's just Anthony Albanese. It's the name that he holds as being prime minister gives him a level of power. So when we say holy is his name, is, is not just a name, it's his, his authority and his power. And we're setting it apart in our hearts and our minds. But God was calling Moses to go to his people, the Israelites who were in slavery, and he was going to, this is the beginning of him setting them free from slavery, and God speaks to him and he says to God, Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What will I say to them? And God said to Moses, say this, I am who I am. That's his name. I am who I am. And think, well, that's a strange name. We call it Yahweh, or Jehovah. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And this name, I am who I am, you can, um, this is another six-week series on I am who I am. But it's showing us that God not simply just exists, but he's also that he's near to his people. It shows us that He is the eternal one who has no beginning or end. This is bigger than you can wrap your mind around. When I was very small, I used to think the sky was a thing you could touch. But you ever walk out and look at the sky and realize you're looking billions of kilometres above and you can't see anything? It's quite amazing. He is the really real, the ultimate reality. All reality is according to his will. He is truth. His truth is absolute. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, which means this. Omnipotent means, omni means all. Potent means power. So he's all-powerful, all-powerful. You think of the entire universe and the universe is beyond and the things you don't know about. You think of the Voyager 2, which has been going for 46 years, somewhere out to space, and it hasn't stopped and it's still going. And he created all of that. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's here. He's with the people you love right now. He's everywhere. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He's constant. He is in the past. He is in the present and in the future. This baffles us because we live in a timeline of life, but God transcends all earthly patterns. Because he is God, there are many things about him that will never be understandable, even when we reach glory. And that's okay, because he is God. It's big. And we need to expand our minds to see how big he actually is. And you will never be able to do that. But today I'd love us to take a moment just to, just to reflect on that, that he is in the past, he is in the present, and he is in the future. He is all-powerful. And when you say, holy be his name it's like you're making that the most important thing. When he says, you'll have no other gods before me, a God is something that we rely on, we, we trust in them, we put our hope in them, and we tend to make gods of people and things. And it doesn't mean, sometimes we can misunderstand the scriptures when Jesus says, you need to love me first, before your father and mother, etc. And he's not saying, you mustn't love them. You, you are, he wants you to love them. But what he's saying is that he is the source. So, He is the source of life. He is the source of love. If you you love love, he is the source of love. He is the source of peace. If you yearn, yearn for peace, he is peace. He is the source of it all. He is the source of joy. He is the source of creativity. He is the creator. You may be creative, but that's because you're made in the image of the Creator. Other names of him in the Bible is he is our provider. He is Abba, Father. He is the Alpha and the Omega, which is the beginning and the end. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is our dwelling place. There are actually over 900 names of God in the Bible. And so you'll spend your eternity exploring the depth of who he is. But the reason he's saying you have no other gods before me is that we tend to want to, we have deep needs. Uh, Jesus calls it being hungry and thirsty you need to be loved. You need to be valued. You need to be appreciated. You need to achieve. You need to create. You have all these deep needs. And when we make gods of something else, we are actually relying on that thing. We're putting our trust in that thing or that person to meet the needs, to fill our hunger and our thirst. And they can't do it. And that ends up in a lot of conflict because you're you're I can't understand why they said that or they didn't say this or they did this or they didn't do this. You can't understand why things didn't go well when you didn't any longer have that job or that money or that situation. And and it's because those things, in a way, were God's. In other words, you were relying on them to meet your needs. And Jesus spins it around and he says, we're going to get the world into order. And order looks like this. I fill your deepest needs. That's why he says, whoever's thirsty, come to me and I'll give you rivers of living water that are going to flow out of you. So rather than asking everyone to put them into you, they flow out of you. And then you look at the people in your world and you've got an abundance, spring of living water that never runs dry that you can give every to everyone else because you've got everything in the right order. That's the way that you were created to be. And then when things go wrong, you go back to the Creator who fills you afresh again. He He's your bread. As he says, I'm the bread of life. He says, all who come to me will never be thirsty. And it's an image to me, it's a little bit like this. I saw this image when I first did the the Grief Share course. I'm not sure if Grief Share uses this diagram anymore, but I found it incredibly helpful it was a diagram of the sun and the the planets orbiting around the sun and see as you know the sun let me tell you a little bit about it closest star to earth 150 million kilometers away its gravitational pull holds the planet in orbit very important You don't think about that every moment of the day, but it's very important that we stay in orbit around the sun. It radiates light and heat or solar energy, which makes it possible for life to exist on Earth. It provides sunlight for plants to grow. Animals and people need the plants for food and the oxygen they produce. Without heat from the sun, the Earth would freeze. There would be no winds, ocean currents or clouds to transport water. It improves your sleep, it reduces your stress, it maintains strong bones and apparently it gives you longer life and you can go on. And if you're a scientist, you will be able to tell me so, so much more about the sun and we probably still don't know everything about the sun. But it does hold everything in orbit and everything works together well because we're connected in the right relationship with the sun. And in the Grief Share course it shows you, you know, the planets going around the sun and the sun disappears and you spiral out of orbit. So what it's saying in grief, and if you've been through grief you'll understand this, that your life is orbiting around particular people and you can translate this to loss of job or loss of finance or something but when that person goes, everything spins out of orbit, and you're in a, a spiral and you, a trajectory you don't even understand. And it's true because we're all deeply interconnected and we experienced that in our family. When our son died, it wasn't just that we didn't have him, it was that he held a pivotal place greater than we realised in the connections of the six of us in our home. And when he wasn't there, how did we, all, we all related to him in different ways and we had to reorbit ourselves. And if it wasn't for... Jesus, I don't know how we would have ever re-orbited ourselves. It takes a time to re-orbit yourself. And God is doing this in kindness to us. He's saying, just like the sun holds everything together, he holds everything together. And if you want to be, your soul to be satisfied, you've got to get everything into the right pattern the right orbit and holy be his holy be your name is setting that name first it's like looking to the sun first and you know the sun will do this for all of us whether you believe in it or not so the sun was providing food for you before you even could talk you didn't have to believe in the sun to make it still shine on you and if today you say i just don't believe that about the sun it won't make any difference what you think or don't think I don't think that we need to stay in orbit around the sun for us to exist. Okay, you can think that. Uh, The way you'll find that out, if it's true or not, is if the sun ceases to exist. And you won't have long to think about it, if it goes. It'll all be over very, very quickly. And the thing is, it says in the scriptures that the sun shines on the good and evil alike, because God loves us all. And we are all benefiting In many ways from his love but we don't all understand it and one day we'll either be in his presence or in his absence it's merely what hell is is to be in his absence and we want to be every heart on the planet yearns to be in his presence it's just that sometimes we present him in the wrong way we long to be in his presence because that's where everything works well and that's where everything is in order and that's where our, our deepest needs are met and if you've ever gone through a really difficult time where you feel tormented in your soul that's a little little glimpse for you is what it feels like to be in the absence of the son of God it's not that he's not there but you can't feel him at that moment and you feel darkness overcome you and you can feel darkness in your heart your soul your mind hopelessness overcomes you powerless overcomes you and that is the absence of the love of God And we all need to be restored to that love of God. That's why I pray. Holy be your name. May your name in my life. May my heart's greatest desire be to trust in you and believe in your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. May I find anything in me that doubts you, because that will help. That will enable me to spiral out of control. But if I can hold you, who is all, all powerful, all knowing, all present. Up there and just look at you and your love and find the gaps when I don't believe in your promises. May I just look at you? Then your life starts to move into order. That's why it says in Psalm 111 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. And so we start saying, holy is your name. J.I. Packer says this, as a person who does this, see, seeing everything is stemming ultimately from the creator's hand and therefore is fundamentally good and fascinating. Whatever man may have made of it, it's the world is beautiful and people are beautiful, but we mess up the world and we mess up people. But if we can look at it through the eyes of the creator God and see how beautiful it is, we start to say, holy is your name and make me part of the transformation of your world. Then in thankfulness and joy, he will so live as to help others see life's values and praise God for them. Hallowing God's name starts here with an attitude of gratitude for the goodness of creation there was a, a british woman last century called cicely saunders or she died early this century and she was an agnostic and she became a christian in the 1940s she was born about 1918 i think and um just so fell in love with god she, she'd actually been born with a uh, curvature of the spine, which caused her a lot of pain. So she had a lot of pain in her life. And when she experienced the love of God, she did this. She was so full of gratitude that she started to see his creation, messed up as it might be, through his eyes, and she loved it. And during World War II, she saw people dying in abject pain and loneliness, and she said, you matter because you're you, and you matter until your dying day. And so she asked the Lord to help her and she developed what we now know as a hospice. And a hospice was actually first started by the early Christians as a safe place for travellers. And she had this vision of doing this because she knew what it was like to live in pain and she saw people in greater pain than her dying and they had no help. And so she created the first hospice and then one of the men she was helping before he died died fell in love with her and he donated a whole lot of money to her to get hospices going and now you and I know what a hospice is, and many of us will have had people who've been to a hospice where someone has been helped till their dying day because, like Cicely said, you matter because you're you and you matter until your dying day. And that came from someone who saw, who said, holy be your name, was so filled with his love and his love for creation that she started to bring something into the world that transformed the world. She actually became a Dame of the the British Empire. But it doesn't stop there. Hallowing God's name requires praise for the goodness and greatness of his redemptive work too, with its dazzling blend of wisdom, love, justice, power and faithfulness. Because when just like the sun is the source of all energy, he is the source of all love, all peace, all power. And when we look to him and we look to him and we see his love and his peace and his power, it makes us look beyond ourselves. Jake was talking about the Matildas and if you didn't watch the Matildas, you're probably in a minority in our country, I would say, but you are forgiven. And something I heard several commentators say was um, they've brought the nation together. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? That people from all around our nation, even people who've never played soccer, even people who've never watched a game of soccer, came to watch. And because it was something about our nation and the women of our nation and everyone cheering them on. And it brought us all together. Different races, different languages, different genders, different age groups, different levels of education, financial levels. We all came together and uh, we weren't looking at ourselves, we are looking at them and we wanted them to win because there was a glory that goes beyond ourselves. You know when you watch the Olympics or something like that? and uh, you know, Because we have good swimmers and someone will win a gold medal and we say we won, we didn't, or like we did, we did, but we won. But that person who we're cheering on, whose name we didn't know till they got into the final, they have been swimming up and down that pool for maybe 10 years. And we say, we won. Because there's something amazing that pulls us together when we look for a glory beyond ourselves. And we often in our prayers look for the glory for ourselves, but we are called to look for glory beyond ourselves and that pulls people together. All different sorts of people. And we sit here today and we have different beliefs about different things. We haven't done a survey, but I can guarantee this would be the truth. But if we come for this one thing, not about ourselves, but that people would see this amazing, holy God and His love that knows no bounds, the love that we all yearn for, if we could just come together for that, for that glory, for His glory, that's what pulls us all together. That's what changes our prayer life. And so the Apostle Paul prays this when he sees this. He sees it brings us together like this as a family. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. So, you see what's happening here? It's really important to know what happens with Holy Be Your Name. When you die to yourself and you just look to him, you are filled with power through his spirit. Your inner being starts to become strong so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You start to grow in faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, it's like love becomes your backbone as you look to him. You have power. You are filled with power together with all the Lord's holy people, this new family, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. As you pray, holy be your name, you are grasping how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Holy be your name is opening up the door that you would be filled, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He who was able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or, or we could ask or imagine according to his power. If we could just pray, Holy be his name, be your name, we would see this power, and he would do things way beyond what you can ask for or imagine. And you read it in Philippians where this the pathway to this, where the Apostle Paul, who's writing this, describes Christ Jesus as though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Now, psychologists look at this whole idea of emptying the self, and you'll see on the screen here a psychometric scale which shows this, that this is what they have researched and discovered, the internalisation of another self. This is what it's about. We all have a tendency to want to expand ourselves. We want to grow more competent. We want to grow in knowledge. We want to expand our love. We want to expand our care for others. We want to expand our joy. But research shows that to expand ourselves, we actually need to empty ourselves. To make space for another person. This is what Jesus is doing. Now research shows this is what you have to do. And this is why prayer directed out has this transformative power. You see, to the internalisation of another person simply means this, that you make space for them in your life. And after a while, you see there's the progress that happens, there's self and others. So me doing that project with that other woman, self and other, then we start to get to know each other. And if we start to do life together, we actually care for each other so much that you're thinking about people's hopes and dreams. You go places and think, oh, so-and-so would love to see this because they dwell in your heart. Um, it's like when you, if you've had a baby, when you have a baby, they just become part of you and you you long to understand their wants and their needs and, and, and you've expanded yourself by dying to yourself and, you know, you never mess with a mama bear. You know that. And that's why we need mothers who pray because that, like, as the child is so close to them. And what we're doing is we're opening up so that we can be filled with Christ. That's what we're doing. And then the transformation comes that it's not that you love others less, you actually have the ability to love people more.